0: Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. I'm your host, Brad Tunar, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Pippin Williamson. Hello. This is episode 14, and in this episode, uh, we're going to go over a couple of important things to keep in mind when developing for WordPress. You want to get started on that, Pippin? Sure. Um, So we've got a couple of
1: things that we want to cover, uh, and they're really some of the just general tips. Uh, and practices that you should be keeping in mind when doing when developing. And these will include things like debug mode, code formatting, and, and a couple of other things that you may not be quite as familiar with. Uh, before we jump into that, though, why don't we briefly talk about what we've been working on. Brad, you want to start?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I was actually uh, testing, a while ago, actually, I was testing uh, renewals, because uh, renewals for MigrateDB Pro are coming up and uh just testing the the system that we had in place and it wasn't working out and i was trying to fix it and it still wasn't working out so just kind of decided to build my own add-on for woocommerce uh to handle our uh renewals and upgrades and uh and i just kind of finished that up uh this week so it's cool so did you
1: find uh not to get into any nitty gritty details, but did you just find that the features of the the existing system that you were using just weren't the right features for you or did you have some other kind of challenge with it?
0: Yeah, I think, I don't think it was quite designed um, for some of the the things that I wanted to do. Um, and so that like certain calculations about like how it handled upgrades and, you know, uh, it wasn't sending, uh, renewal emails quite how I wanted it to, to, you know, so it, sure. I just, I don't know. I probably could have got away with it <laughs> as it was, but I just wasn't happy with the way it was doing things. So, well,
1: and you have the ability to, to build your own. So why not build something that you're going to be completely happy with?
0: Exactly. And, and in the was... end, if you're not happy with it,
1: who who are you going to blame besides yourself?
0: Exactly. Um, Nice. Yeah, I struggled with it quite a bit, actually, to, to get it just right. And so I feel I'm per, feel pretty good about it right now. And I feel like this is something you can't really skimp on when you're talking about, uh, you know, your business. You know, renewals are super Definitely. important. Right? Renewals
1: are huge. And, uh, and I mean, if, if there's not something that you're considering seriously, yeah. then please start now.
0: <laughs> That's right. What were you working on? I've had
1: two, proje- two primary projects over the last week or so. Uh, both of them, Easy Digital Downloads related. One of them is I, I started to get, uh, I wanted to get more serious about automatically detecting fraud purchases. So anytime that you're dealing with e-commerce, and I'm sure you're, you've run into this as well, fraud is a ser- it can be a very serious issue. You may have a lot of fraud, you may have a little bit of fraud, but basically fraud is a constant. It's going to happen either from people stealing credit, having stolen credit cards or stolen PayPal accounts or whatever, what have you. So I wanted to get more serious about preventing it and trying to figure out ways to auto-detect it so uh, myself and some of the other EDD development team have been working on an automated fraud detection system for specifically for our store. Uh, Later on it might be rolled out to to other users as well, but it during the purchase process, it, it runs some checks and looks for likely indications of fraud. And then if, if something's detected, it'll actually flag that purchase for moderation and let the site admins know that they need to go in and double check that this purchase is is legitimate or if it's fraud. And so that's been pretty cool.
0: I had I so had a lot of problems with fraud uh, with uh, WP App Store when I was doing that. And uh, I bet. But since I've moved to using Stripe and PayPal exclusively I haven't had any trouble at all um, so I don't know Now, when that's... you say
1: you haven't had any trouble I would assume you mean that you haven't had problems with lots of fraud everyone's gonna have fraud to a degree
0: right that's that's I mean, right I, I yeah, okay I've had one in the it's almost been a year since we launched and wow. I've only had one instance of fraud that's amazing yeah and so okay, I thought I kind maybe, of attributed to to the Stripe and PayPal. But I mean, Stripe
1: is huge for sure, especially if you go in and you enable the, uh, like the force it to, to require the C- CVC check and the zip code check. Um, and I don't remember what the other options are. Billing address is huge, like making sure that those are all required. Uh, but so anyway, I was working on that. And the other thing that we're working on uh, was getting a new extension launched for EDD for an integration with Gravity Forms, which is pretty cool. So we released this new extension called Gravity Forms Checkout that allows you, as a site admin, to create purchase forms for any of your products. And then so then you can embed those those purchase forms anywhere on your site. So instead of, like, going through the standard EDD checkout process, you would simply fill out the Gravity Form form And that would complete your purchase and gives you the ability to use all the awesome Gravity Forms conditional tags, calculation fields, et cetera. So
0: that's pretty cool. So that would be pretty handy in a scenario where if you had products that required like a bunch of information to be collected with it. Like, yeah, uh, definitely. Like if you were ordering, I don't know. Stationary with or letterhead with like an address in the in the in the letterhead, yeah,
1: you need to like fill in all those details or or maybe add options do you want this to to have all these additional options? Do you want this to come in boxes? do you want gift wraps with them? do you want envelopes with them? do you want all those like features like that that you might want to collect is something that this would be very good for, especially then if you need to adjust the final purchase price based on those selections cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So that launched today. All right, uh, enough of that. Shall we jump into our first topic?
0: Yeah, for sure. This is something that uh, you've been uh, banging away at today, is it?
1: Uh, It's not something that I addressed today. Well, I guess I kind of did. I tweeted about it this morning, and it actually got quite a bit of attention. Um, The idea is keeping in mind that the WP content directory and the uploads directory inside of WP content are not, in fact, constants. They are not always the same. So I see this a lot with plugins that are review for WordPress.org. People forget or simply don't know that the WP content directory is in no way a defined constant. You can change the name of the WP content directory to be just content, or data, or assets, or anything that you want and you can also change the location of it. So I see people will hard code in something like home URL slash WP content slash plugins. Mm -hmm. And it will work on a large number of sites, but it will always break on any site that has ever decided to move that folder. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that you should keep in mind, along with the fact that, along with the WP content directory being able to be moved or renamed, The actual uploads directory as well, like where all your media files go or any file that you upload from within WordPress, that can also be moved. It does not even have to live inside of WP content. It can live anywhere at once. Well, almost anywhere at once. It has to be relative to the abs path constant. But so those are things to keep in mind. Um, Have you ever had to deal with this, Brad?
0: Well, I, I actually do... I set up all my sites uh, with in an alternate content directory. I use Mark Jake with, uh skeleton uh, mm-hmm. Git repo that he has, um, and I yeah that just the way like he has a kind of a default setup of like how he sets up his WordPress sites, and that's I've kind of used a variation of that. Um, and so, for example, the WP content directory ends up in slash content. And then WordPress itself, the entire WordPress core, ends up in slash wp. So, so WordPress core and the content directory has the same level in the directory tree. So it's uh, I, I really like it, and uh, in testing, it's really good because it doesn't let me get away with stuff like this, <laughs> right? I, if if I uh, you know, make the mistake of using, you know, WP content directory to get the uploads path, for example, in a plugin or something like my environment will not work. it'll just, it'll pick the wrong location for the, for the uploads directory. Sure. Uh, there's a couple of ways that you
1: can detect these inside of your plugins pretty easily. Uh, So first of all, WordPress has a couple of constants that are very useful. Uh, there is a, a constant called uploads, and that constant uh, is what allows you to define the custom uploads directory. So, if uploads is defined, that will change the you, the directory for the uploads f- folder. So, in your plugin, if you want if you want to know if there's a custom uploads directory, you can look to see if that constant is defined. Uh, there's also the, the the WP content dir constant as well as WP content URL constant, and those are both Constants that will refer to wherever the WP content URL, sorry, that the WP content folder are.
0: Right. One those of them. The, those are the ones that you define in your WP config if you if you do want to move your WP content folder. Right, but they're also defined even if they're not defined in the config. True. So, I
1: may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure up, the uploads constant is only defined if a user defines it. The WP content and WP content URL are defined no matter what. Yes, it just depends on the value of those constants. Uh, so you can use those three constants to to figure out where files should go, uh, or like if you need to determine a custom upload directory, like where you are putting a file from a plugin, or where you're reading files from, things like that. Uh, I believe there's two other systems as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about those, Brad?
0: Two other, sorry.
1: Two other th- two other tools that we can use for. detecting the uploads directory or the WP content URL and things like that.
0: Yeah. I've, I've always used the WP uploader function. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, I always, I always just use that and I forget about the constants to be honest, because I I feel like it's, I don't know. Constants scare me a little bit. (laughs) I I feel like there could be still something I'm missing. There's, there could be still some conditional, out there, that's kind of bypassing the constant um, and and determining determining the uploads folder some other way or something. So, yeah, I like I really like the w upload directory function. I can't that remember, one's super useful. I can't remember what it returns. It's it's an array, I believe. It's an
1: array of um, a variety of info. Uh, I can give me a second. I'll actually pull it up because I used it pretty recently. Uh, it it brings in or sorry it. It returns an array that contains, oh, uh, here I it don't is. know where the thing's at. Path. It's a it's a bunch of information. Like, yeah, the paths to, I think the path, the URL, oh, it includes the name of the subdir. Um, so let's say that you have your files organized in a year and month. It'll also, it'll tell you what the current one is. So if, since this month is February 2014, it'll tell you the subdirectory is 2014 slash O2. Yeah or something so, like that. So it allows you to figure out exactly where files should be for this point in time, which can be super handy. Yeah. Uh, the other one, the WP File System API is super cool.
0: I've never used it's that.
1: It's an actually, API that I've think. only played with, I think, one time, and I will admit it's a little scary to play with because by, by scary, I, I, sorry, scary is not the right word. Let's say intimidating. <laughs> if you go look sure. at some of the tutorials for the File System API, it can be a little intimidating to look at and to
0: understand oh, how it works. I've totally dug right, I did a deep dive on this, I, I don't totally know. I was thinking of something else. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: but the WP file system is, it's what WordPress uses actually internally for like uploading plugins or deleting plugins or modifying them. And basically it's a really robust way that you can always ensure if, if WordPress has write access, your plugin can have right access, basically. Because mm-hmm. um, anytime that a plugin deals with modifying or creating files on the file system, you're gonna run into permission problems. And the, fi- the WP file system API is probably the most reliable method to do it.
0: Yeah, I just want to clarify, it, the WP file system doesn't actually, uh, or it isn't used for file uploads. Um, right, because... your file has to already exist. Well, because uh, when you upload via PHP, it ends up in a temporary directory, and you have to you have to use the uh, PHP function uh, move uploaded file. And so, th- the file system is really an abstraction of the file system, uh, and it kind of it's a wrapper around you know the, the kind of base uh, functions, uh, but it also uh, abstracts FTP and SSH allowing you to use those uh interfaces to manage the file system that way if you don't have like yeah. basic like basic access so like say say for instance your files you don't have write access to the files then you can give ftp credentials and it will actually log in via ftp and operate on the file that way um so it's it's actually pretty Awesome system, and it's it's a very unique to WordPress as well because I, I really haven't seen this in other CMSs that I've used. But
1: yeah, I haven't either. Uh, it's definitely a cool system, and something that if you're do if you're working in the file system, you should take a look at. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I believe you had another note in here that you wanted to include uh, with uh, related to a PHP version.
0: Oh, uh, this is just something I we came across. Um, Ross McKay actually brought it up, and uh, it's just this weird bug. So, in if you're using PHP less than five point three point one on Windows, and you wanted to do uh, call the PHP function rename and actually rename a file between devices, so say you were moving it from D drive to C drive, right? You'd actually you can't do that. <laughs> In PhD, ah. PHP, less. so this is the kind of obscure bugs that you run up against uh, when you're, you know, developing a product for you know, instead, you know, rather than if you're just developing, you know, one site for one system, so much easier, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, shall we move on to our next? topic, still within the realm of things that you should keep in mind when you're writing your plugins or your themes. Uh, And this one is talking about uh, minified JavaScript and CSS files. So you do a lot with migrating files, especially with your your new extension. Um, And I'm sure that you do a lot with, like, optimizing your site and such. So really quickly, would you say that it's pretty important for plugin developers and theme developers to ship their code? With minified versions of their files
0: i think it is i think i think you need to do that um, and uh, i just want to clarify that my product does not copy css or js files <laughs> that's I think true it doesn't my those bad. those things uh should definitely be part of your deployment your code deployment uh so but yeah you should definitely ship the, the minified CSS and JS. Uh, I mean, do you mean like as part of like a plugin or?
1: I mean, so let's say that your plugin has CSS or JavaScript files that it loads either in the admin or in the front end of your website. Should you include minified versions of those files that are loaded by the plugin? So so if a user visits your site and the assets are loaded from your plugin, are they being loaded as a minified version or as the normal version?
0: Yeah, it should de- you should definitely have a minified version nowadays, I think. Cool,
1: I, I, I totally agree, and honestly, I don't think there's a single good argument for, for why not to do that. Right. Uh, the only argument that I've heard before, and that I think is completely valid, is it makes it much harder for developers or advanced users to go in and modify those files in any way. So let's say that you have a CSS file, and it's minified. And you want to go in and you want to make some changes to that file. Well, it's, it's really kind of a pain to unminify a file. Sure, you can take it and go through a processor that will undo it for you or expand it. Uh, but that's a little bit annoying. And why,
0: wouldn't, why don't you just include the, the source? The, like, the that was, that was what I was going to...
1: That's where I was getting at. Oh, so sorry. I think that's the...
0: <laughs> no, I jumped fine. ahead
1: on you. <laughs> you jumped ahead of me. Fine. Uh, So I think that's the only reasonable answer for why you might not like minified files, because they can be more difficult to work with. Well, WordPress has this really nifty constant that it defines in the wp-config file, or sorry, that you can define in the wp-config file called script-debug. And WordPress core actually uses it to load or determine if it should load the minified files or the full-size files. So WordPress core by default loads all minified JavaScript and CSS files. But if you define script debug to be true in WP config, it will load the full versions. And you can use this in your plugins. There's no reason that you can't make use of this constant to decide whether your plugin should load a full or a minified version. Right. Have you ever done this Brad?
0: I have done this and we do this in Migrate DB Pro. Uh, it, it checks to see if script debug is on or off, and mm-hmm. uh, and adds the dot min to the the. Yeah, it's a the super name. easy check. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's I mean, it's really so cool. easy to implement that it's it's kind of one of those once you once you realize that you can do this uh, and that you should do that, it's kind of a no brainer.
0: Yeah, I mean, to get to look at to find an example of this, you don't have to look any further than WordPress core itself. Uh, they they yeah. do the same thing for their own uh, CSS. So just take a look at that and how they're doing it. Um, Should we talk about, so when you're developing, what are like some of the things that you do uh, that you think other people should be doing and and there's definitely people that aren't doing? (laughs) Uh, I think
1: there's a couple of things aside from what we've already mentioned. Uh, Number one is getting really familiar with the other debug constants that are available. Um, most everybody is familiar with WP debug, and hopefully every single developer, I know this is not actually true, uh, but hopefully every developer is using it as um, during their development periods of their plugins and their themes to help catch things like notices and warnings um, so that's, and that's other. The,
0: that's the WP underscore debug constant, right? Right,
1: right. right. WP underscore debug constant. Um, and, and it's super simple. If you type WP debug into Google, you can find a, a page on the WordPress codex that talks all about it. So if it's something that you're not familiar with, uh, go and become familiar with it. Not only will it make your code more reliable, it will make you a better developer. And it might reveal a bunch of problems that you didn't realize that, that were there in your code. Um, the most common symptom would be things like notices. So suddenly if you enable WP debug, it will spit out a whole bunch of things where it says PHP notice such and such variable <laughs> undefined or um, undefined key or, what does it say, undefined key? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and but and so fixing those things are is a really good thing to do. Uh, and there's another one on there that Brad, if you want to explain this one, called WP debug display.
0: Right. So, well, you can shut that off, and then it just won't show anything on the screen. What, um, what, is it, what does that do by default? But WPD, if, debug mean, display. If you have it on by default? Like,
1: well, I mean, it's on, it's, not, it's on by default, isn't it, if you enable debug?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I think it is, because if you
1: enable debug, it shows your errors. If you set right. debug display to off, it hides your errors.
0: Yes, right. So yeah, I think and I think what so what if you set it to false debug this and they, they don't show up then you have to go digging through your php error log I guess if you want to see your errors is that how is that how you do it or
1: Usually, right. So debug display will basically it'll it'll make the errors get recorded but not necessarily shown. So they'll show in your error logs. Another really nifty tool uh, is the debug bar plugin. Mm-hmm. So if you have WP debug enabled and then WP debug display disabled, it will still allow you to see your errors that you have, but it's just going to hide them behind a little menu. So it'll give you a big red button on your page that says, hey, there's errors here, reveal them.
0: Right. That's Which pretty
1: is pretty cool. Cu- Pretty
0: I've, cool. I've also heard of people, They there's another constant uh, WP debug log that you can set to true, mm-hmm. and uh, that will just put your your errors into a file in your WP content folder, I think. Uh, and uh, and so you can it kind of separates it out from your your PHP error log, so you don't end up with like other sites in there and stuff. Um, I th- I think a lot of people do that as well. Personally, I like to have stuff display on the screen because. I feel if things are hidden, it's too risky for me. Uh, <laughs> I might not see them, and it might be too late by the time I do see them. So that's one of the nice. Th- I I totally agree with you there. I, I like uh, it, I, I like it. I hate that it breaks the display, uh, and I hate that when I have like other plugins that have been developed without WP debug on and have notices coming out that it breaks display. But I I just I just don't want to take the risk to. That, that I'm going to miss a bug, right? Definitely.
1: Well, it's one of the things I really like about uh, the debug bar add-on is because it will, hide the, it will hide the errors from displaying on your page and maybe breaking your layout or breaking options, but it still makes it very, very clear that you have errors on the page. Right. And it, it adds a big red button up in the toolbar.
0: Yeah, I've, I've used that That's a little really bit, nice. and then I just keep going back to, <laughs> to yeah. spitting out debug. The other thing you might want... Uh, to try is enabling Xdebug. If you haven't done that, oh yeah. Um, so I just reinstalled MAMP MAMP Pro on my machine, and by default it doesn't have uh, Xdebug enabled. Uh, you had to go into my PHP my or PHP ini file and uncomment a line at the very bottom. Uh, here's here's the thing about Xdebug that maybe you know the answer to.
1: I have not been able to figure it out. Um, I've never figured out how to enable or disable strict notices. Have St- you, have you, ever, with XDebug, have you seen it give a like a, a hardcore failure on strict notices?
0: Uh, I'm not sure what you mean, like a hardcore failure.
1: So, for example, um, if you're if you're writing an object oriented and you have a class that has a static method, sure, and you call that method non statically, sure. So, for anyone who's not familiar with that, the syntax, to call a static method, would be like the class name, colon, colon, the name of the method. Uh, But what people do a lot of times is they'll do the the name of the class and then your your dash uh, greater than symbol and then the name of the method, and it works. But if you have strict debug enabled, it will actually throw a big nasty error message at you if you do that. Right. Um, Which... It's, it's, it's good because it's not technically a valid way to do it. I mean, it's not right. Uh, but what I've never been able to figure out in Xdebug is I can't ever figure out how to turn it on or turn it off. So on some, some systems, I'll have it where Xdebug XD with strict notices will be on, and it will cause crazy amounts of errors to show up because the vast majority of people don't have it enabled. But I've never been able to figure out how to turn it off.
0: Oh so strict errors is something that was introduced in PHP 5.4 I believe and uh I think you can disable it uh just using the error reporting uh PHP function so uh you know how in WordPress core it it sets error it makes a call to error reporting and depending if you have uh WP debug set to true or false it, you know it's it sets uh, the error reporting more aggressively if you have debugging on, obviously. Um, and I think, like, <laughs> I don't recommend hacking core, but if you if you went in there and played around a little bit, uh, I think you could get the strict notices to be disabled. Sure. And
1: I'm not saying that I necessarily want to enable them. I just want to know
0: how to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I've been seeing a lot of strict notices as well. A lot of plugins. Uh, haven't been tested with five four. It, it seems I think, um, but uh, something else people should check out is the developer plugin. Um, it's a great. I find it's a great place to get started, uh, kind of accumulating tools to do your WordPress development. Um, I, th- I think we touched, or we already discussed it though in episode five. So people should just. Check out episode five if they want the details on that. But
1: yeah, agreed. Uh, let's see anything else that we want to mention about standard things that you should be doing in your development. I think there's a really important one that's really important to me, at least. Um, and Brad, I believe you. I believe you kind of feel the same way when it comes to coding standards <laughs> and formatting. Yes. yes. Why don't you Why don't you tell us a bit, little bit about how you feel about coding standards and formatting
0: well i think it's super important that that you, you adhere so i guess the first thing i always put above everything else is consistency so if i start working on someone else's code and they are not you know writing things the way i would i don't start changing things or writing things my way you know in between what they've written I follow whatever standard they seem to be using. <laughs> I try to keep it consistent above all else, uh, and then in the future, you know, if we want to reformat the whole thing to adhere to some other standard, then so be it. Uh, but I always prize consistency above everything else. Is it, is that how you feel, Pippin? Or
1: absolutely, uh, it's. I think it's. I think that's a a good way to put some of the reasons behind the WordPress coding standards. So there's a lot of a lot of work that's been going on recently for enforcing coding standards within the WordPress project. And what that really means is that as as WordPress as a project as a whole has one set of standards that it should follow regardless of who wrote the particular piece of code in the project. And so and and those coding standards go everything from the way that you space out your code the way that you align your arguments, the the style of brackets that you use, etc. And I think it's really important in plugins. I, th- I think it's really important in all development. Um, and I think it's something that people dismiss very easily because it's not something that is immediately easy to understand or see why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, I think I have a couple examples. Number one... Have you ever tried, have you ever looked at a plugin or a theme or any piece of code, it really doesn't matter, that was perfectly formatted? And by perfectly formatted, I mean like they've gone so far as to align every single variable. They've got perfect spacing on everything. And it's really easy to read, usually. This is assuming, of course, that they have other sane coding practices. But it's really easy to read and follow. Now, take that same example but flip it. And look at one that has really haphazard formatting. They've got line breaks, either tons and tons of extra line breaks, or tons of missing line breaks. They've got variable names jumbled together. There's no consistency. And suddenly, it's very difficult to read. That also, not only when it becomes very difficult to read, that also means it's much more difficult to debug. And that's where I think people fail to realize it. People think, okay, wh- well, the code works. Uh, so why does the formatting matter? Because the computer doesn't give a crap about the formatting. But it's really important that when you or anyone else has to go back to make an enhancement or a bug fix, that you're able to actually understand what's going on and that you're able to do it easily. And that, honestly, I think that's one of the most important reasons for consistent code formatting and clean formatting.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so one of the things, one of the tools that I use uh, to kind of... So say I, I encounter a file that uh, I worked on three years ago and my formatting and coding standards weren't very good, then I'll just run it through uh, tidy-php is a package that I have installed into some Sublime Text. And uh, it just magically formats it according to WordPress's uh, coding standards, Um, and it—I mean—it just takes care of everything. Like it—it'll put the spacing around your parentheses and all that stuff, and so you don't have to. It's really handy. Yeah, you use that as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah, super handy. I think some people also get
1: irritated with formatting um, because they think they have to do it manually and it's just tedious. Yes, yeah. it can be tedious, but if you use a tool like this, it's literally one keyboard shortcut, and you're done. Exactly. Just so make, there's not really an excuse not to do it.
0: Just make sure when you do these formatting changes, uh, that you commit it as one commit without any other changes to the code, and you label the commit updating sty- uh, formatting, <laughs> you know, because uh, you don't want to mix in a bunch of changes with, uh, with the formatting changes, because formatting changes often have a uh, change every line of code. So, yep, yep. So it could become difficult to distinguish what's an <laughs> if, actual. If you realize code that change. you
1: caused a bug there, you're gonna have a hell of a time tracking that down.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um,
1: I think there's a, or go, go ahead, Brad. And then I, I have I have one thing that I want to add before we maybe finish up.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say that I I, I ran into some code lately that it was it had comments like comment stubs on everything. So every function had a comment stub. And what I mean by stub is that it's like the name of the, the description in the comment was like the, the name of the function, right? So if if the function was send mail, the the, the description read send mail, right? Sure. And, and the, these were everywhere in the code. And I was just thinking, wow, what if there's a comment in here somewhere that's actually important? How the heck am I supposed to see it? Right, because it's, you've just got mm-hmm. you've got all these completely redundant comments everywhere, and and so it would be it's a needle in the haystack to find what's important out of the comments. So I would say like if you're commenting your code, don't just comment for the sake of commenting, please. Right. <laughs> comment the why, why you, you know why this is this way. You know that's that's what I want. Send to, to header.
1: header with a comment. This sends it to the header. It's <laughs> kind of like a no do statement.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, on,
1: on this on this note, with um, not necessarily code formatting, but code coding standards. So, there's a little bit of a difference between formatting and standards. I mean, they they go very much hand in hand. But also with standards are things like conventions. So, WordPress core recently decided to add the requirement that anytime you have a conditional statement uh, of, of any kind that you must use curly braces yes. for the opening and the closing. So what uh, you may or may not be aware of, depending on how fl- fluent you are with PHP, uh, and and a lot of other languages as well, that with a conditional statement, a lot of times what you can do is you can say, like, if this equals this, and you, and then the next line is what will happen if that condition is true. And so you don't actually have to have the curly braces around it? Mm-hmm. Well, WordPress Core recently decided to put in a requirement that says every conditional must use curly braces. And a lot of people don't like it because they because of the idea that it's just extra code for no reason. <laughs> Why use four lines when you can use two? But and to be fair, a... it's actually a perfectly legitimate argument. I don't but, I don't agree. <laughs> well there, there I, don't, is a reason. I don't necessarily agree that it's a good a good reason to not do it, but I understand the point. Yeah. Um it's kind of, it's just like, why use more words than are, than are necessary? But it turns out there's actually a very, very good reason to use curly braces. <laughs> yeah. um, and Brad, I think you know where I'm going with this.
0: Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. So,
1: if you paid attention to the news recently, there was a really big security update pushed for iOS. And also OSX. Um, and when I say big, I really mean teeny tiny. Like it was one line of code caused this problem. And it turned out to be a security problem with validating SSL certificates. And it was a really big deal because it actually provided a really easy way for someone with the right know-how to hack into a system or to, to take, over your, take, take over your laptop, take over your phone, etc. And the bug that caused it was because of a missing curly brace. They, the developer at the time, whoever wrote the code, opted to not use curly braces around their conditional statement and instead of having one line after the conditional, they had two lines and the second line after was getting executed every single time and it was basically doing these different checks and it would have fail statements and this extra line resulted in it failing every single time. Even though it wasn't supposed to, and it caused a giant security problem. So if they'd simply had curly braces around their conditional, it never would have happened.
0: Yep. yeah. So, and I think it was fur- the- I think it was further uh, complicated by the fact that it would, like they were both indented those lines, so it, like yeah. visually it looked like you know it, it looked fine. <laughs> yeah, I I remember seeing the code, and it, it seems fine.
1: But it, yeah, so moral of the story is like it really does not hurt to have two extra lines of code. In your code base so use curly braces because it will aside from preventing glitches like this that are possibly catastrophic it also just makes it explicitly clear what is and what is not inside of your conditional
0: yeah I, i i agree with with that policy and and the other the other thing that it helps with is if if someone else comes along and starts adding code it i mean that's that's probably what happened in the apple situation someone else came along and they added that second line of code there right it wasn't the original developer most likely right right and they and they just failed to realize oh i forgot about the curly braces i f- I forgot to add those back in but if they had been there in the beginning right it would the problem it would never been a problem ha- yeah it wouldn't have happened so yep I mean, obviously, I'm just speculating here, but but that's a a plausible situation, right?
1: Yeah, totally plausible. But yeah, I I firmly believe that coding standards for conventions, formatting, et cetera, are are really important, especially when you have a project that dozens or hundreds or thousands of people are working on. You want to have, I I think what your example that you gave a little bit ago is that you want to have consistency. And so if you take the code that someone else has been working on it, and you contribute to it, you want your contributions to match because you want it to be one coherent project. And if there's no such thing as standards and you're just ignoring them, you end up with a jumbled mess that has the signatures of dozens of people or thousands of people on it. Yep,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: We kind of like creating a piece of artwork where like everybody is responsible for like painting one little part in their style it's probably just not going to work very well.
0: <laughs> exactly. That sounds like a disaster. Yeah. Well, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I guess we should uh, mention our sponsor real quick. Um, oh yeah. So Ninja Forms, uh, is a great forms plugin for WordPress. Check them out at ninjaforms.com. And uh, anything else, Pippin? Uh,
1: no, I think that's pretty much it. Um, just. If if anybody has any questions or comments, feel free to leave them on the show notes.
0: Awesome. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks.